I mean, it, it's so, what what do you think when it comes to to the first unit to consider taking a shot with? Is is there one that you typically open with? Is there one that you try to um, you try to get some maneuvering with? Um, are you like me with a Panzer three where you just can't help but run it forward and get it killed every game? <laughs> Or three in one game, Dan. Um, that yeah. was Look. that was a bad game. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Historical Miniature Gamer Podcast. Uh, so I'm Daniel and I'm here with Gorchin. Um, this is the, the nicer part of the duo that we have. Uh, the, the, I don't think we've actually done many episodes, just you and me, Gorchin. Probably for good reason, Dan. Probably. Probably yeah. for good reason. <laughs> probably for that intro, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> so... No, I think it's it's more it's more like uh, when you and I get in a room, it's just non-stop whining sentences that feel like they should have punctuations but they don't and you just kind of keep droning on in this pointless mess and having two of us do that is 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 a probably like an existential dread that nobody needs in their ears to be perfectly honest with you dan yeah look i mean that that's this is probably still a step up from the solo one that i have recorded though so uh everyone hold tight uh- <laughs> <laughs> So today on the podcast, while the other guys are also MIA just um, finalizing up with some other things, we're going to talk about threat assessment in bolt action. Uh, And so we're going to look at covering the aspects of what this looks like in the game, um, how the questions you would ask yourself to understand what threat assessment is, our different perspectives as players with different play styles on how we would do that threat assessment. and then also specifically, you know, how do you start talking about your target priorities? So once you've got your threats assessed, how do you actually assess which one needs to be taken out first? So it's it's one thing to know how threatening something is to your, your battle plan, but then the big yeah. part is which no, but who do I hit with the sword first? Is ultimately the <laughs> is ultimately where it goes, right? Um, and so, but before we jump straight into that, I might just do a quick catch up on our on our hobby progress, if if there has been any. Uh, I know that in We've had Iron Signet very recently, which I think this is the first episode we would have done post that. Um, yes. You were quite heavily involved in running it um, and, and being oh, I mean, supporting. Yeah. Well, supporting. I was just the I was just the leg trooper. Uh, <laughs> I ran, ran a couple of workshops in the day, did camouflage in the morning, tank weather in the afternoon, uh, and just help set up, tear down, uh, help the photographer out for a little bit, which was uh, Emma from Objective Secured. She helped us out there, did a phenomenal job. Turnaround time on those uh, on the photography was, I think, pretty much same day. Uh, we we just had to sort of pick and choose which which ones were the best ones, uh, and but we, yeah, we were definitely spoiled for choice for that one. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. That was it. Look, honestly, it's probably the smoothest event we've run, uh, all things considered, and it was the one that had the most amount of activities. And one of the guy, guys had a car malfunction on the day. So, oh, yeah, that's right. To, yeah, and so to, basically, you know, it was, I think we were about to quote-unquote open doors. It was a shared venue with an OPSEC event that was going, but we said registration's open at 8. It was about, you know, half an hour to 8, and the guy lives basically an hour round trip from the venue, so he wasn't going to get there um, early. Uh, help set up or anything and we just went oh you know do we delay submissions and we just went why we're ready like we yeah. we have everything um you know the guy had like wet pallets and some lights and stuff that we needed for the the workshops they didn't open till later so it was so real credit to the team and the organization the sponsorship was this year was fantastic mm-hmm. um to some of the categories uh the quality in the categories is really fantastic so it, it was actually <laughs> a little bit scary to be honest with you to to sort of compare year on year the stuff that was coming um from the local community and of course it would be very nice for i i can't obviously speak for everybody else in iron signet but i'm pretty sure that they would share the sentiment is it's really nice to that it in some small degree uh or a major degree obviously we don't necessarily know that these events are actually pushing people forward uh, and yeah. that's, that's that's really good to see that people are getting some out of it. I've seen a few Instagram posts from some of the local artists as well, um, shouting out and recognizing the event and what it is. So it's all it's 
been nice outpouring from everybody to get, kick up the butt and and for me as well um it's been absolutely flat out and been doing a lot of sort of procrastinating with painting sort of painting things i shouldn't be painting rather than things i should be painting as well and i don't uh, know what and, you're talking about but <laughs> <laughs> then i came out the other side of my insignia it was just like i don't really want to do anything else other than paint now uh and on all i did you know basically for the the 10 hour day i spent six hours of it teaching classes um and i spent the other hours basically setting up tearing down or looking at people's models and talking about models and you and then on the drive home i was just like man i'm pretty exhausted but i really just want to paint something right now. <laughs> yeah well so, i mean it was so it's it's the first painting competition that i've genuinely entered with with the intent to put a piece forward that was that was gonna compete and out I say compete in a very loose sense because the structure is obviously different for Iron Signet. Um, I mean, you do compete, but you actually compete based on merit as opposed to a one, two, three standing of just. We've done videos with the guys who ran yep. the crew. Go check them out if you want the yep. details. It's it's um, it's fantastic. It's a great style. And the and the only thing that I would say is, um, if you're thinking about being involved next year, you should. Um, in terms of our listeners, because um, I found it I found it incredible. Um, and there's a there's a broad range of models that you go see and you'll see stuff that you go that looks way better than anything that uh that i thought would i would see on the day um there were quite a few models where i looked at and i went i'm 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 obviously looking at that model and i'm seeing i don't know how you did that like i just don't understand how paint works like that um so but you know it was great to rub shoulders with some of those people and and sort of have chats with them as well and the workshops were high high quality um on all of them but um but that's obviously not what we're here to talk about. Um, that was more just a, a bit of a, a recap on, on that. Um, also, so... Dan just casually sliding in that he, or sliding past the fact that you painted a model that you've been scared to paint off for, I don't know, 20 years now. And, and, and you and... managed to get a bronze medal, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And and so, so for that one, I will clap. point you to the upcoming video on Western Tabletop where I catalog right. that whole journey. So um, that right, I'll be... keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, it, it the, the episode will be long, so just just bear with me on that. But but it's it's probably worth a listen. There's some very good insights that I was able to pull out of that whole journey. Um, which yeah, was... come on, YouTube YouTube algorithm. Lots of small episodes, man. Come I'll just, on, I'll just break thing. it up. I'll just, I'll just break it up. Um... YouTube shorts are where it's at now, man. 60 seconds. You got 60 seconds. That's like two words for me, man. Um, <laughs> um, so we'll, but we'll get back into bolt action itself. Um, so we've got, uh, so up and coming on our radar, uh, we've got the Skulls events coming up in November. Uh, we've got Double header. Double two header. Saturdays back yeah. to back. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'll get clearance for one, let alone two, but I'm, I'm I'm still looking at some stuff. The work has some things on around that time that's going to make it pretty tricky for me. But um, yeah, I I very much suspect that if I if I manage to attend both days, it's going to be like very very early morning duck into work and then yeah. smash out as much as I can and then roll some dice for the rest of the day. Uh, I yeah. figured that my two choices are either do it before or after the tournament and like. Honestly, Afterwards sometimes after a tournament, <laughs> even even picking up a pint to get through it is can be a bit of a challenge on some days. Yeah. Um, I'd argue, on, like, even most club days that we've had recently, it's like, we haven't hit the pub afterwards. We've all been like, nah, we're done. <laughs> anyway. So we've got those coming up. That's obviously got some different mission changes and things like that with, uh, with what Justin's pulled forward again um, for those, which is good. Good to see some more variety. Um, but that, I mean... Part of those things would then change what our main topic would be, which is uh, talking about threat assessment on the battlefield. Yeah. So the situation, you know, typically would start as we've just deployed, um, we've got our mission, which might be objective-based or kill points-based. Uh, you've seen your opponent's army list, um, and they've they've got it deployed, and, and now it's a case yeah. of I can see the weapons, and I know where they are on the table, I can see their lines of sight, um, but how do I actually know what to shoot first? What What is what is the, you know, if I have the first dice, if I have the opening salvo, in some ways that's fantastic and in other ways it's really frustrating because <laughs> you have to put the first move on the on the board. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a, what, what do you think when it comes to, to the first unit to consider taking a shot with? Is, is there one that you typically open with? Is there one that you try to... Um, try to get it some maneuvering with um are you like me with a panzer three where you just can't help but run it forward and get it killed every game 
four three in one game, Dan. Um, that yeah, was look, that was a bad game. <laughs> if if we're talking, uh, I guess that there's kind of two questions in there. Is one is how you do threat assessment, and two is what what you tend to open fire with. Yeah. Um, those are often very interrelated, uh, but generally speaking, I find it quite difficult to not open a game with a mortar or a howitzer. Um, I yep. think, or or another type of fixed weapons. I, I usually lump them all into support weapon categories. So I'm a madman who has sometimes taken MMGs and sometimes multiple of them. Uh, and, you know, in that in those cases, they started in ambush, so I was a little bit more flexible with yep. what they were doing. I was happy that their roles were fulfilled. But generally speaking, yeah, it's usually an indirect. Now, I have heard, and I think it's a very good argument, that you should save indirect weapons or basically templates to target things that have already activated so they can't go down. But to be perfectly honest, I find very few people go down when you target them with a mortar on a six to hit doesn't usually happen and and there are very rare circumstances where i will there is a good set of circumstances you know you're already on objective or you need the unit alive regardless you're not on a turn crunch so you know it's like turn one turn two they're one turn of movement away you don't you don't need them for anything so even if they cop the hit you're fine that they're down um you know it's it's much worse for your game plan that they get whacked uh without being down than anything else so yeah, but generally speaking, it's a mortar. And that's also the reason why I don't wait till the thing has activated. Because I'm typically targeting a fixed weapon or something that wants to be fixed. Like, sniper teams can move, but they're usually in a pretty good spot. Uh, same with mortars and howitzers and that sort of thing. I will usually try to punch either... Like, generally speaking, I try to punch above weight with the medium so i usually take a medium order i'm usually aiming for a howitzer or equivalent yeah. uh, whatever is in that artillery slot that's typically what i'm aiming for now there there are plenty of exceptions to this rule um and 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 we'll sort of get into those you get into why when yeah uh what those exceptions are when we talk about threat assessment particularly but yeah i think you know with the exception of maybe like first wave missions where the fixed weapons aren't on the board, but I mean, even then, I'd be there basically doing the same thing turn two. Uh, okay. Yeah, G- generally, very common. I'm either opening up with a mortar or a sniper if I've got one. Um, I tend to avoid sniper jewels anyway, and I try to avoid Good them man. during the forward forward <laughs> deployment phase. Yeah, so <laughs> I have time with my sniper, um, which kind of sneaks into into my thought processes there in terms of like what what actually is a threat because yeah there's two components but uh there is yeah myself what is what do you tend to open up with dan are you a maneuver man or you're a fireman so it typically for me i mean everything will always come down to what's actually in my list what's the mission and everything like that so but if i was just broad brush stroking it um to try and go what would i do on average if i've got the first activation Generally, I will activate um, one of my units of infantry to move. Okay. If 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 they are, for example, not in cover in a, in a way that I would prefer, I try to right. shift yeah. them into cover to avoid and minimize any excess damage they might take. Um, if that doesn't apply, or if I have the second um, activation, typically I'll go to a support weapon, the same as you would. Um, and it's not always a mortar. Um, it depends what's sometimes for example if i've got a multi-launcher in the army yeah yeah, of course i'll start with that uh because usually an indirect weapon right yeah but generally an indirect weapon something with the range something with the ability to go it's look it's it's the off chance that i can hit something on that either the flank or in the center and hold it there for a turn um it works really well if um let's say that your opponent has made a mistake and they've deployed something incorrectly or if that uh, incorrectly is probably the wrong term if they've deployed something thinking that it was going to be safe but you actually have an angle and they haven't realized you have an angle Um, and so typically a mortar on a truck for example on turn one when those things because the truck can't go down and the truck being hit by a mortar round is generally just even if it's just pins right it's just bad yeah (laughs) so 
I'll, I'll try it's, and it's, take something. It's bang like for that. your buck thing on that one. That's for right. Sure. Yeah, because you're going for the two for one advantage at that point. So, but that that a tip, a tip here for for this isn't for you. This is for those who are listening. If you've been caught out by you think you've hidden something but you haven't, um, you are playing with your opponent as much as you are yeah. playing against them. So if you're trying to deploy something and you're trying to hide it for something, ask them to check line of sight while you're deploying. It's perfectly legitimate. And you can also offer to do the same for your opponent. There are plenty of things you can be transparent about yeah. and trying to not give line of sight to an enemy unit is something that you want to be transparent about because then when you say, hey, I'm going to put these guys here so that unit can't see them, can you check line of sight for me while I do this deployment? And they yeah. go, yeah, sure. And they go, cool, you're safe, I can't see you. Let's say the model gets nudged, whatever, the terrain gets bumped, it's no longer a question because you went, That's hey, right. when we started the game, we both agreed that that model was out of line of sight, yeah. table's been bumped or whatever, no big deal, we're on the same page, let's move on. We know that there's no line of sight there. And that's, it's it's this thing that we talk about playing by intent. Yes. I'm deploying these guys with the intent that that unit, that howitzer, that sniper can't see them. Are you? Do you agree on that? Cool, perfect, let's move on. Yeah. So that's, that's a little tip if you get caught out by that, or if you don't want to get caught out by that. Play with your opponent as much as you are playing against them to win. You know, and, the, it is a weirdly it's a cooperative experience, but it's in there. And and I actually have a point that circles back to that later, which we'll get to as well. But um, no, like I, I I would agree. I think that's a great pickup for for those that you you can, as you say, play with your opponent and actually ask, hey, can you actually see this right now if that unit is there? Um, and most of your opponents, especially in Perth, um, and I, but I'd say ninety nine percent in the yeah. world would go yes i can or no i can't and then yeah. would and turn during movement as well actually not yeah. just deployment yeah. yeah absolutely um and then so let's say we've now got our so if our first shot is now out of the game um let's say it is the mortar we haven't done anything um how do you work through what the threat assessment is like where does it start for you so does it start at the point where they hand over the list and you start having a look at what's in the list and and you go okay i need to watch out potentially for these units are there any key weapons that you watch out for is it driven more by the terrain so if you have a particularly advantageous terrain setup you go actually that changes what is a threat in this particular scenario yeah okay so the only thing i'm usually picking up during list discussion is do they have an mrl and what is their highest armor value compared to the weapons i've brought and that's if they have a, a multiple rocket launcher and mrl my main thing about that is okay i if i choose to be clumped i have to wear that risk yep. if i'm going for a death ball on one angle or another or whatever I just have to be cognizant. Now, I'm not necessarily changing my game plan or my deployment extensively because of this, but it's just something to keep in mind. You know, you might go, okay, there's a pretty big building footprint on this part of the board or in the center, so I'm going to try to avoid that as much as I can. But ultimately, something like an MRL to three-inch template, six inches off that template, any unit being hit. If you're trying to avoid clustering by mrls all you're all you're guaranteeing is that it's going to hit multiple units it sounds really counterintuitive but your deployment yes. zone is only so big yeah so if you spread out you're not going to get one spot where six units are going to be hit but it just means there's going to be plenty of spots where three are going to be potentially hit that's right and so it's it's and that isn't to say it's all a lose-lose situation with an mrl and all that sort of stuff oh, of but that's not. the one that i'm looking at and then the other one is when it comes to the armor value of the vehicle that's not because I'm always trying to kill it. Again, this is where the actual threat assessment thing comes in. It's about going, if I needed to kill it, if the, there yeah. was a tactical situation where I needed to either mission kill it, so immobilize it, stun it for a turn, whatever, if I need to mission kill it or, or destroy it, then I need to know what I need to have at that point in time. If we're talking like an Armour 7 vehicle um, and it's not open-topped, I know that if push comes to shove, I can assault it with my infantry squad and have a good chance of doing something. Not a great chance, but a good chance. Yeah. Um, and something you know, at least to only... act on, right? Yeah. And then, but if you know, if we're talking like eight, uh, the squad's got to be pretty big. Situation's got to be pretty right. If we're talking nine, I'm not really going to bother unless 
Unless I was using it for movement or something like this, which is a fun little trick that's hilariously legal. Um, <laughs> no complaints anymore from my end. Uh, yes, if you if you assault a vehicle, regardless of what happens, you always consolidate D6 inches off of it. So if you needed to move your guy about 13 inches minimum, just charge a vehicle. Um, your squad's <laughs> going to bounce right off it. Even if you can't hurt it. If you've got two guys charging yeah. an armor value nine doesn't just, matter just use it for movement charge um, that tiger tank and just just consolidate <laughs> straight off <laughs> you know tiger uh, tank fear and all tank shock and all the other stuff yeah whatever but yeah it's a, it's a nice little desperate move if you need to do one now when it comes to um actual threat assessment because at that point i'm not i'm not saying this is a high threat this is a low threat i'm yes. just i'm just sort of bucketing it there is an mrl I need to worry about it this vehicle if i want to kill it i need to use this thing um, my actual threat assessment doesn't begin until deployment's complete yep. because like, yeah, there might be, uh, a, a squad of 10 guys with SMGs in a truck, but I don't like, if it's not on the table or if it's in a wrong spot, I don't really care about it. Not right now. I don't, you know, um, as long as I can draw a line of sight to it at some point or ambush it with something like I don't, I don't really care. I'm not worried about it. Um, things that, yeah. So the threat assessment for me, the the two factors, the main factor for me is actually time. Is is my biggest threat is the thing that's going to stop me from doing the thing I want to do when I want to do it. Uh, and I think a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of players get caught up on things that are dangerous inherently, either stat lines or special rules or 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 just potential damage output. Uh, and that's not to say that it's wrong, but if they're in the wrong spot, if they can't draw a line of sight, if they're pinned, they're not. They're not a threat, you know. Yep. Um, or if they've activated, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I am. I am the most calm after one of those units have activated because I know it's no longer a problem. Yeah. If it if it hit and it deleted a whole bunch of guys, I'm like, oh well. I just have to yeah. come up with a new plan now that didn't include the guys that died. <laughs> but you just look at that and go, I don't need to worry about that thing for this turn. Yes. Um, and of course, you can't keep playing that game because uh, no. at the start of turn two, it's suddenly a threat again, and it's going to delete something else, and that that continues on. Um, yeah. And that that's sort of where I was going over time. It's it's what is something I can stop activating is usually the thing I'm going for. What's the highest threat thing that I don't want to activate this turn? Uh, and then if nothing particularly sticks out, then I'll start looking at things. What don't I want to activate next turn? Because this is this is the thing about bolt action with pins and being separate to actually destroying a unit. Uh, you can deny a unit activating for a turn, at least you know with a rally order and all that, uh, by stacking. You know we say three is good, four is better, but just stacking a bunch of pins on it and just being like, okay, like yeah, I haven't killed it, but it's not a problem for me next turn either. <laughs> Uh, unless you get insane bravery or, or a bunch of other things, but obviously, like, you, you, it's, it is a dice-based game. Bolt action happens, as Brad likes to say. You know, it, it's, it's just one of those things. It is. Um, I mean, you, you're actually echoing a lot of the things I was going to bring up. So for me, typically, um, I would agree that, that target priority components of, of what that threat assessment look like, it, it doesn't start for me until that deployment phase is done. And essentially... Yeah. Essentially, it's it's when the game begins in earnest. Um, so you can do a little bit of threat assessment of, of you can, sorry, you can do a little bit of priority calling with your deployment. Yeah. You know, to go yeah, okay, yeah. I, I know that I'm going to want my fixed assets essentially dynamically opposed to theirs, so that I can try and take advantage of the situation. The reality is that until that first dice is drawn, everything is um, it's Schrodinger's priority because because everything's a threat and everything is not a threat all at the same time so yeah um yeah exactly it's, yeah it sort of fits it, it fits that concept that you were describing where it's fluid and it actually yeah and it doesn't because bolt action obviously operates different to a game like 40k where it's everything goes of mine and then everything goes of yours like as soon as you hand over the initiative in that type of a system everything is a threat and you can't do anything until it's your turn again. You have to be in the right position to either yep. absorb those blows or to deal them out. Yes. Um, and yep. so there's a lot... Interestingly, the posturing is very different, but yes. it is still a big part of the game. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and I think that's um, underappreciated in bolt action, posturing. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it is because I, I think it's it's for those that engage with it, they understand they're playing a meta game within the game. Like they yeah. they understand that it's like like I've played games with some players where it is just about running everything forward and having a good time, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. We love those games. How dare you have fun? Then there's the reality of like the game that we had at Southern Thrust, where I had twenty inexperienced units to work with, <laughs> and like you, we we came out of that game both mentally quite just like okay, I'm I'm done. Never again. <laughs> yeah, because it was I was like I won't do that again in a close while, but um, but everything I was doing in that game had a posturing element of trying to get you out of position or trying to just force um, force dice to convert over to hits, basically. Um, and and it's, it's that similar concept, but then at your assessment level. Because I really think the question that I've avoided so far is how do you even determine what a threat is? Like, how do, how do you associate? And we, we, we just yeah. touched on some of those components. But for me, for example... As you, a big one is if the unit has activated or has a stack of pins on it, it's no longer a threat. And so, even if yeah. unless I actually yeah. have the opportunity to deal with it and and remove it as a threat for the rest of the game on that particular turn, my resources are going to be better devoted onto something that has not yet activated, which is yeah. a current threat. Um, yeah. And and it's and it's yeah it's just getting that that flow and the turn momentum to, for you for you to understand like you will feel in more control of a game when you are shooting at units that haven't activated and then they don't get to activate yeah because that yeah it's controlling that tempo, it's controlling right? that tempo that's right um, and and so you know threat assessment knowing that it's fluid um, some of the big things that I look for is typically weapon ranges so trying to get an estimation on the table of, okay, I know that a unit with rifles are 24 inches. Okay, I know that that's a threat, it's not so bad. A unit of anything within 12 inches starts to get really um, challenging. Yeah, because, and, and, and because they could assault you, they could, they could shoot you, they could, um, I mean, there, there's even the potential, if you're trying to chase that squad down, if they're at 12 inches, there's a good chance that they're not going to hang around and wait for you. They will actually just run away and so if your objective yeah. is to chase that lieutenant that's a problem <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a different kind of threat it's actually a threat to mission objective as opposed to destruction but um but yeah it, it's you know i wrote some things down i was like you know so the other thing is can it wait do i have to engage with this threat now and and that it all talks about that timing component um which is uh, Sometimes it's very hard to explain. Like, I wish I could just have Tabletop Simulator ready to go with an example to go, this is what I mean. But it's it's so subjective that that's actually not useful. Because <laughs> um, I could put it up and then that situation just won't happen to anybody. And they'll go, but Dan said this. And, yeah, that's not, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm just very cognizant that out of all the things I've said that sounded really... Um, wise and intuitive and 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 learned uh, for the game. I'm also just very cognizant that I haven't actually given anything for players to to take away. I'm trying to channel my inner Bo Mortensen, um, mm -hmm. trying to give yep. actual value here. Uh, and so the right threat assessment. So when I'm talking, when I do threat assessment, I'm trying to actually not make this nebulous and trying to make this as concrete as possible now what are all the little gears that i stick together yeah we've talked about has the unit activated yes um we've also talked about is that unit in range and you if i understood you correctly you meant that unit's effective range not a unit that you correct. could target it with right that is correct so yes. so when we're talking about threat assessment we're always talking about a target unit yeah. not the unit that we're going to use to kill it and and one of the things that so has the unit activated um is it a threat to activate next turn and does it have a bunch of pins on it or not kind of thing yeah um so those are, those are some two pretty big ones that we play on what is the unit's threat the target's threat range um or the threat's threat range that doesn't really work <laughs> what is the target's threat range uh and then the other thing then these next two i think are it's kind of weird that when I say that people are going to be like, duh, but I don't know how many people think about it. Have actually like, put one and two together? What, what, are, uh, what is that unit a threat to in my force? Yeah. And the other thing is, what threatens that unit in my force? 
Yes. And so they're basically the two sides of that coin. The reason is because if, if there's a squad of like four or five regulars out in the open that have activated, there's a lot of things that can kill those guys with. There's a lot of different squads. Even an MMG will, will give them hurt. Yep. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things I can shoot them with. So I'm not going to swing my Sherman around uh, and hit it with a two-inch template because there's going to be something else where that two-inch template is more effective against. And I guess the the last point can be sort of summarized with my units or my forces efficiency of targets. Yes. Um, and that's that's it's a you know sometimes out of those five or six things something's going to be more important than others and unfortunately it's very situational and i'm, I'm not going to pretend i get it right all the time either um and that's one of those things where you just have to make conscious decisions okay yeah. i think this is a threat because i've thought about these six things and then of course there's the objective part of it as well in your own game plan and all that sort of stuff and gone, okay, because of these factors, I think this is the largest threat, so I'm going to delete it. And then your opponent will surprise you and be like, aha, yeah. you've activated my trap. That wasn't even my biggest threat. And they pull out this other thing. And then you go, okay, could I have known that that was a threat before? Yeah. Um, is there something in my opponent's plan or list or how they were playing or how they were posturing that would have communicated to me that that was the real threat? And oftentimes... What I found in bolt action is that people are pretty good at identifying threats. Um, People aren't very good at responding to replacement threats. Yes. Oh, that's so true. (laughs) And I'm not going to pretend that my replacement threats are planned in advance. I don't go, if I lose this squad or if I lose this weapon, I'm going to replace that threat with this other thing. I don't don't bake this into my list. I mean... Like if I'm doing really, if I'm really kind of on the ball, I will. Um, but that kind of goes back to the redundancy that we yeah, talked about in this say, more yeah. than anything else. Yep. But usually in the game plan, it's like, okay, I didn't expect to use that, lose that unit. They ran when they really shouldn't have. That's okay. What were they doing? Do I need that to still be done? Is yeah. it going to further mine or slow down my opponent's mission plan? Okay. What else can I use to do that with? And sometimes it might be as as obnoxious as just parking, a, you know, an empty transport within an MMG tagged by, like, having an observer standing within an inch of it. So yeah. the observer doesn't get pinned when the transport gets pinned, but you can't just pop the transport by standing close to it because everything's a one-inch bubble and the transport ruling is closer rather than equidistant. Yep. So it's, yep. you know, something like that. You, you could be literally blocking an alleyway with with a, uh, in the case of an American, a 46.3 quarter ton truck with an MMG and a 10 point spotter standing behind it. Like that, that uh, could be but... just as much of a threat as as having a squad of six guys covering that, that alleyway or an MMG or, 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 or something like this, right? And so, yeah, um, as a very roundabout way to talk about threat assessment is what is that that it's doing um, what can I take it out with? What options do I have to take it out with? And if I have multiple options, it's a low threat. If I've only got one option, it's a higher threat. Yes. Uh, and just like, you know, a lot of people talk about tanks being big threats and, oh, I've got nothing to take out the tiger with. And it's like, well, if the tiger can't shoot anything, it's it's a zero threat <laughs> as <laughs> as one example, right? And, and so there are lots of different ways of, if you don't kill the threat, there's lots of ways of reducing the threat, um, which yeah. is also an option as well. I think you brought up a very good point with the threat assessment. So typically, I also categorize threats as a low, medium, high, time-sensitive, um, typically, uh, and also based on what my game plan is. So if, if I know that I want to push, if let's say we're playing an objective mission and I've yep. got four, uh, four units that I want to push between the center and my right flank, and I know that there's an 88 on a hill on their yeah. what their, their opposite flank, which would be their left flank. That's, yeah. that's not a safe place for my infantry to go until the 88's dealt with, right? Like, so it's, the threat assessment for the 88 is, at that point, high. Um, if the 88 was on the other side of the board, the threat assessment isn't or low. Line of sight blocking, or line of sight blocking, yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, yeah well, line of sight yeah. blocking, I'd probably say that then it's low threat assessment, so it's, you know, I'd, I'd be more comfortable. 
Um, if it still has line of sight but it's further away, that's the medium threat assessment. And they're the ones that you find gambling is the most yeah. um, costly yeah. and yet beneficial. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, it's, it's, you're at that, you're, you're pushing the, the, the weapon range or you're pushing the, the choices for the other player um, to really make choices about whether or not they're going to engage with that and put yeah. the danger on your units um, or whether they engage with somebody else that's closer or potentially more visible. Um, I think the other thing with um, with the threat assessment is um, once once I've assigned a low, medium, high, that that might only get, that might only last for one order dice and then the situation on the battlefield changes and so then yeah. I have to pivot. So um, I had one, one game um, recently where I was playing against Brayden, who's got his Italians up and coming, and yeah. um, you know we we had a really good game, uh, <laughs> a really good game as part of the Berlin Wall, and I had what I thought was going to be this is, I, I've got a really good run, and my Americans are going to run on the other side of the board. We're then going to go support the Soviet push into Berlin. We're going to get the Reichstag. It's going to be fantastic. And his Italian force, um, he had a an artillery piece that was sitting on the on the on the far flank and i had my trucks that were wanting to be as far away from that thing as possible behind cover and i'd lined up a truck to where i looked over and went i don't think he has line of sight there and, and so i'm comfortable to leave that there even if he does have line of sight i've got cover and so um, he's, yeah. he's at minus two um we're possibly tipping out the long range so he needs a six to hit i'm willing to gamble that 16 percent odds tank does any day of the week nailed the six there were four <laughs> units inside, and he murdered them all. <laughs> oh. um, There's so, nothing you can do about that, right? Not well, like, and he was like, he was like trying to be apologetic, and I went, "Dude, don't don't stress about it. You need to actually enjoy this moment because this is what's going to get you coming back." The reality yeah. is, I got caught with my pants down. If I really wanted to be safe, I shouldn't have been that little bit far forward for you to see me. There's nothing that well, you took a calculated risk. I did, and I did, and did it with four units, um, but. <laughs> I didn't lose victory points because of the mission we were playing, but it did mean that there were no machine guns or air support for the Reichstag at all. <laughs> oh, ouch. ouch. Um, That's expensive. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's also... Because Brayden's pretty new to the game, right? Yeah, yeah. It's also a great way to demonstrate something like that kind of concept. Oh, and, and um, he... He, he really enjoyed the fact that it's like, first of all, his gun did something, um, but also the, the reality was a truck exploded with an anti-tank shell in a similarly spectacular fashion as we always think it should. And so, yeah. you know, Hollywood bolt action. Yeah. It was good Hollywood <laughs> bolt action. I think, I think if, I was trying to, if I was to try and summarize uh, threat assessment, I would, I would probably have two main components and then I would have sort of a, a mitigating factor. Um, so one of them is, as we talked about, is, is the threat itself. Um, how tough is it? How, how killable is it? How pinnable is it? Um, how much damage can it do? What can it be damaged by? That's what I would consider a very simple, like one part of the threat assessment. And then you've got the yep. time component. Yeah. Has it activated? Uh, will, is it likely to activate in terms of pins or if it's immobilized, if it's a vehicle? And, and so then, and then there's your uh, time component because yep. that, if it has activated already, you have the entire turn to deal with it, yes. right? And and this is something that I get caught up in all the time is I, is I will focus on important low urgency things in a turn yep. rather than high urgency, medium or low importance. And this is something that this is a, ba a balance that you'll need to make. Yes. You know, if you have an enemy vehicle um, and it's going to absolutely tear through your lines and you have, and it has activated, it's done its thing for a turn and you have a Sherman with a side armor shot or potentially even a rear armor shot or, or a tank that can go right through it. Yep. You don't need to do that right now. Correct. But there could be another squad of theirs that hasn't activated. That's in eight inches of one of your squads. that's out in the open. And it could be, you know, both of them could be full squads of 10 with rifles only, so it could really go either way. Don't worry about the tank. Yeah, because you can pick it up later. Point, yeah, because at that point, you're not gaining anything in that turn. Yeah. 
right? But if you if you attack that other squad before they attack yours, you're now gaining something. Even if they go down, you're gaining tempos and you can control the situation better. Whereas if you take out that tank with your tank uh, and really all that you've done is you, you have gained something for next turn, which is not inimitable, no. but you could have lost something else this turn. So That's it's right. about... Yeah. It's about not getting into the trade if you don't have to, and, and that's that's the that's kind of the key thing. Yep. the The other last part, the sort of mitigating factor, is there could be something that's really high urgency, really high threat, but the only units that you have left activated can't damage it. Just ignore it. You can't do anything about it. Yep. <laughs> the dice are done. They yeah. decided no. Yeah. So now you focus on what is the highest urgency thing that you can actually That's actually achievable. To. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and I think that leads to um, where, where the discussion would go, where it starts to move into, that's how I start to consider priority of those. Yeah. So now that you've yeah. assessed all your threats on the battlefield, according to all those wonderful questions that we explored, um, and, and as people will understand as you start to talk about it, it's like threat assessment can actually be quite complex. It can also be very yeah. simple. You will typically have urgent priority, sorry, urgent threat, threat um, risks rise to the top and they'll get your attention because they'll be like, that's going to die. Um, <laughs> so they're pretty easy yeah. to spot. Yeah. Um, Just don't be blinded by them. That's right. Um, that's right. And, and that's and that's where the priority call comes in, right? Where So it's, it's, it's that layer that sits over the top and it's exactly what you were talking about. It's like that tank that I've got will be able to deal with that opposing tank, but it's not the priority for this order dice right now. The priority yeah. for the order dice right now is to either put pins on that infantry squad we were talking about or to get mine out of the open um and ideally so, both but yes. ideally well ideally both yeah the move and then the shot right um yeah americans yeah. <laughs> hey i played them before they're great i love them um but it is it is that that priority layer that sits over the top which ultimately starts to decide the the punch counter punch and counter counter punch interactions of the order dice because yeah. you, because as soon as as soon as one of those interactions occurs uh, and the priority of that changes it will then change the priority of the rest of the board because your opponent suddenly has potentially one less dice to reliably activate you've obviously activated one of your dice and if they had a Panzerschreck team sitting around the corner of your Sherman maybe it was important that you move your Sherman first <laughs> you know it's 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 those things and yeah, yeah. that understanding of that level of priorities um, and, and knowing across the threat assessment what is actually the most urgent priority it is a learning aspect like and I don't, and like what you're saying is like I don't get it right and I certainly should have learned my lesson when not putting my truck out to be shot by a giant gun but next time I know yeah. I'm probably going to do the same thing um, <laughs> the, most, the most bulletproof something can be in bolt action is either not on the table yes. or nobody can draw a line of sight to it those are your two options I find dead stuff is fairly bulletproof, um, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's yeah, getting getting that priority and understanding. So so typically, I would do at the start of any turn, I'd have a at the top of the turn starting over, I'd do a one two three priority check. So I'd do the a, a quick review of the board and go my top actions I want to do is one two and three. My opponent may have interactions with them that will then change whether I can even do what I want um, on that priority. Um, but that would be my priority and how I want to deal with this situation. Sometimes, again, the first order dice is pulled and they go, that's cool, my multi-launch is going to hit every unit now. Uh, and you go, well, priority is a little different now because, you know... Although, replacement. Yeah, 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 I know, right? Um, you know, and, and there's those things to it. I think probably one of the biggest disruptors to threat assessment is reserves and outflank um, as as the because they're the pieces which the, are the unknowns right and yeah. so that that is then if there is something in reserve um, in my mind it automatically makes it a threat it's just a low risk threat until it appears and because you don't typically know which side of the table it is. Sometimes you'll get the gamble right. Sometimes you'll get it wrong. Um, yeah. But the whole purpose of doing those maneuvers in the first place is so you can be a threat. So for me, it kind of just it ends up in that bucket just by default. Um, I think the other one that uh, a flame of vehicle in outflank is probably the, the the thing where I'm like, that's a significant. Or I don't want to be anywhere near the board edge. Yeah. 
<laughs> either flamer vehicle or flamer in a vehicle or yes. something like this yes. or the insane new russian doll thing that i literally can't get over of a flamethrower team in a jeep in an lvt for buffalo and if you somehow miraculously get the pull three dice in a row you advance the lvt on nine inches you advance the jeep out 12 you advance the guys out six and there's a, a freaking 27 inch point blank oh let's not forget the actual flamethrower range 33 inch threat range for a flamethrower it's it is the most absurd thing and i love it and i'm very certain that it that that's going to get pulled out of the app very soon but i i really just want to play a game where my entire like marine list is just crammed into as many russian doll transports as i can just just for that insane bit of hilarity but yeah that's Ultimately, it's why I why I put engineers <laughs> or flamethrower teams in our flank. It's why I do it, right? It's... And that's it. And that's it. It's because the, their purpose is to come on and be disruptive. Um, and and typically, you'll put them left or right because it's aligned to your game plan. And so, in theory, the rest of your army is pushing in that direction. Um, but yes, I I did see the stuff going on in the Facebook forums of uh, of the Russian doll thing, and I just I just sort of went. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> and I, I, interestingly, I, I, will, I will point this out. One time, I um, I had my outflank maneuver counted in a way that I totally didn't expect, and it takes absolutely giant brass balls to do it. Oh. Um, and that's and and so I had had a relatively central deployment. Mm-hmm. I had two squads of engineers in trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was in outflank, and another one was on the board. Um, and I was sort of center position. This engineer squad rolls up that way, and I, I start shifting left. And then my opponent just went absolute balls to the wall, hammer and anvil on that engineer unit. Just just punch right down that flank, <laughs> everything up at it. It just absolutely disassembled the, the truck, <laughs> the engineers, the howitzer that was covering them. Um, and and pinned like uh, and just like mauled the veteran squad that was heading out that way and i just went that was hands down the most counterintuitive but the best play you could have made yes and i and i would have never thought to tell you to do it yeah because i always you know i always do the sun tzu thing like go go weak where they're strong and go strong yeah. where they're weak all the yep. other sorts of stuff and he just went yeah that's cute you've only got one engineer unit there right now it just Grunt, stag hound, two squads, <laughs> an engineer squad in a truck, uh, another engineer squad following it up, 25 pounder, just... Just everything straight. just was like, bang. <laughs> yeah, and, and just, like, as I said, just disassembled every unit on that flank, and then he dropped the, um, the artillery That's really observer, yeah. on there as well, and I just went, how, <laughs> like, like, how do you respond to that when when, you know... When they wake up in the morning and choose violence, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I just looked at that and went, "Yeah, like I, I just I have to applaud this. You've you've so, not only like credit credit to to Matt, I was Matt yeah. like credit to him for for not just reading the play um, and going, okay, this is what you're doing, yeah. and then assessing all of his options and went, you know what? If I wait till turn three, you're stronger." Yeah. Uh, so I'm just I'm, I'm just, just gonna, gonna do I'm it. I'm just yeah. gonna break in turn one. <laughs> yeah, that's and, hilarious. And, and most most of the damage was actually done in turn two. Yes, and turn one was a lot of like I'm coming straight for you. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, I'm not even hesitating. It's like we're doing this. <laughs> no, it's yeah. good. I, I'm I'm yet to have a um a, a follow up game with Matt, but it is on my to do list once I can as soon as I can get the free time to actually make it happen. Yeah. Um, just because we're and, opposite ends of the world. And and more so like that's that's one of those things where I want to um. Uh, I guess, like, I know that we talk about, we've, we often talk about a lot, like, if denying flanks and if they're strong, yeah. just don't be there. And if there's a tank, <laughs> just don't be there. Yeah. You know, and it's something that, that we we don't talk about is that if you can, if you can break that offensive, yeah. it, your opponent has no choice. If you can, if you can with, and, and admittedly, his dice rolling wasn't great if you can sort of concentrate your force and you can break yeah. that threat right on the nose, you can, uh, it, like, it was honestly the game where just went, like, 
I have I have nothing to replace this with. I have no no other options. Yeah. Um, and at that point, he just went like unit hunting. The game the game was done. The game was done. And so, yeah. so when 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 we talk about these threat assessments, who say, oh, you know, don't give a light aside, just don't be there. There is going to take a spoonful of of my own uh, basically my own advice here and goes that and learn from from games. You go, hang on, that's that's it's generally good advice. Yeah, However, absolutely. it is also very good advice that if you can break it, fucking break it. <laughs> just just disassemble it. Because, yeah, there, there's very little your opponent can do. And, and yeah, very much like if something is a high threat and you've got nothing to deal with it, fine. But also if it's going to take multiple units to deal with it and it's a very high threat, that also means it's usually very expensive and very core to your opponent's army. So yep. if you can remove it, uh, all, all it the can pay dividends. Yeah, I I think um, the, the 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 real last question that that wraps all this up is, okay, so I've done my threat assessment. I've got my priorities associated with that. Um, I thought I chose it right. I've clearly got it wrong because I just got with hit with two flamers out of a truck or whatever. <laughs> um, you're gonna get it wrong at at times. Your opponent's gonna have yeah. something ready to go. Um, so again, in the same game versus Brayden, um, I got myself in a situation where my Sherman tank, after the infantry squad that was nearby had been set on fire by two flamers, uh, in a in a ruin, and they were they were they survived, but they were barbecued really badly. Um, neither of his flamers ran out of fuel, and I had a Sherman that could see them through the ruin with guns, but I got I got kill hungry and was focused on that artillery piece because I wanted vengeance for my truck. So instead of doing the smart thing like trying to get out of the way or put myself on ambush or anything else to, you know, get ready literally for Literally anything else. Literally anything else. Um, I, I instead opened up and shot at the artillery piece again, um, which did have an effect for the overall campaign and was quite morally satisfying for me for getting revenge, but it actually meant nothing. Um, and yeah. and yeah. what happened? He turned... His flamers came around the corner, got within three inches after moving, and they went... We're going to just crank this up to 11. Uh, he rolled two successful hits on the flamers, and they both multiplied out to six inch, to six hits. Uh, and so my, my Sherman that had already been immobilized was um, liberally set on fire with 12 flamer hits at point-blank range. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what's that, like, pen five? Once three... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, off the two flamer hits alone, um, you know, it was it was a uh, you know just off the number of hits. I went. I mean, the only way I'm surviving this if they literally all of those are ones. Because if you roll a single two, I'm dead because I'm already immobilized. <laughs> so ones, please, twelve ones, <laughs> roll them. Um, and yeah, it was it was significantly cooked. Um, and and I just I looked at that and I had to go. I, I literally could have put myself on ambush and just point blanked him with MGs and the big the two inch shell. Like that was a I should not have I should not have done that. Um, and in, in, just just while this reminds me, interesting point about um, turret vehicles that are on ambush. Mm. There seems to be this I don't know where it comes from. This idea that you need to give the turret a direction. Turrets have three hundred and sixty line of sight. Yeah, um, and line of fire. I've, so they they're like an infantry unit. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've been guilty of that in the past before of, uh, of, of going, yeah, yeah. Of going yeah. like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's clearly only a 45 degree angle either side of the barrel because I can't move it. Yeah. Mm, not unless you're turret jammed and you're actually stuck like yeah. facing that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's actually no, and that's like the, the 88 is on a rotating gun platform. 360, well, anything no scope on a rotating ambush. gun. Yeah. Three. <laughs> Any, yeah. Anything <laughs> yeah. on a rotating gun platform for that matter. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like the, I think one of the, I mean, the 88 is scary enough, but, but doing it with like a quad flak, which is on a rotating 360 platform, and it's like just putting it in the middle of the board and just going, what are you doing? I'm just putting it on an ambush. Why? Because I yeah. can 360 no-scope you with an autocannon. It's amazing. Like just the idea of doing that is amazing. <laughs> just just in case anybody's any questions about the threat assessment of that one, yeah. fucking high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, but what, what do you mean? It's like, well, it's potentially eight one-inch templates that can't overlap, and so it's it's by default almost sixteen hits. Like on the, in terms of models, it's like even if you go down, that's still eight hits. <laughs> it's just no thanks. Disgusting. I don't want to play. <laughs> um, the best thing is when, the best thing is when because um, there's um, Luftwaffe divisions that you can actually build, which are anti-aircraft. Um, division lists, so you have more than 
one in the different yeah, yeah, forms yeah. and stuff. And I'm just like, honestly, that would be one of the lists where I'm like, I'm not doing this to upset people. I am doing it because it's cool and I want to upset people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another another super upsetting one is if you take like lines of Carantan and you just like forward deploy your entire army. <laughs> I mean, even... um. Uh, Papuan irregulars that yeah. are able to forward oh, deploy yeah, like they yeah. they simply because they can be done as relatively cheap they're very um, yeah. they're quite effective there's a few different types of units yeah but do they start in ambush I think they can actually I think they get okay, their fuel craft um, yeah either that's way, nasty yeah it's not look it's they're a unit right um, I, 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 I really I really want to see the player who does like lines of Karatan and he spends like 200 points giving his entire army like hedgerow ambush so they can full deploy and in ambush and then they come up against an Australian player <laughs> I'm going to deploy here like, I'm going to deploy here it puts down like three spotters and it's just like go back to your deployment zone <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well that, and, and look I, you, you know, you know I've, I've, one of my favourite parts of the Bulgarians is like I'm going to put this in reserve outflank no you're not what do you mean? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm going to afford to play. No, you're not. <laughs> like, just, just straight up, just not doing it. Um, yeah. So I think the. Um, so I hope that that has helped give them people an idea of what that threat assessment can consist of or look like. Um, Assess think, those threats, people. Yeah. Um, and then the reality is, you're going to get caught out every now and then. Um, and at that point, if you have been caught out, it's like if you get outmaneuvered, you just have to accept. Okay, I need to learn for what it was for next time. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta be aware of what you know what was a priority versus not, and make those judgment calls. Sometimes it's a gamble, like with a multi launcher. You're never really sure how much of a priority it yeah. needs to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's sometimes that opportunistic where you've if you've got the opportunity and nothing better to impact the game with, yeah, take the shots at it. Um, but sometimes it's better just to ignore it. Um, you know, that's a learning thing and a comfort thing on your playstyle. I tend to ignore them unless I have a really decent shot to try and, um, you know, put pins on them. Yeah, them they, they follow my fixed weapon category. So yep. if I've got a mortar and there's a fixed weapon in the artillery slot, like... I'm going to take it. very, very difficult to justify another target. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think if we're talking about threat assessment, key takeaways is... Um, Dangerous does not mean solve the problem right now. Yes. Um, that's that's a very key thing that, that I want you guys to take away. Yep. And also um, play the game of forcing your opponent to assess threats as well. Uh, yes. If you can, try to, try to present more than one threat to each one of their targets or each one of their units. As, I mean, obviously, you don't have twice as many order dice. You don't have twice as many points. So, you know, it's not really like realistic to do that but find the things that they want to protect and threaten them with multiple things so yep. even if they get that order dice first um you just go you cool have... man you can shoot this thing and then good and luck then i'm gonna get you with the other one yep the, the yeah two, the you, you two know, for one logic is is very sound the the, the typical the very explicit example of that is if they have a recce vehicle put one anti-tank weapon on ambush and shoot it with the other one you know that that's a very extreme example of of how to do this, but the same applies. Have multiple squads with overlapping fields of fire, yep. so if they shoot at one, the other one can return fire, and 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 all these sorts of things. Um, and also try not to get caught up doing threat assessments. Um, yes, we've we've talked about how gray and nebulous these things are, and yeah. generally, you know, my my always my my big advice on anything like this is stick with heuristics. Just go. Yes. Black and white, plain yep. and simple. Yep. If I know it's not black and white, we've just spent 40 minutes, an hour, whatever, talking about how it's not black and white, but you have to make a lot of these decisions. So you're going to make heaps of them in a turn. You're going to make way more of them in a game. You're going to make heaps of them on a tournament day. Yep. Make them black and white because you don't have the brain capacity to, to deal with all of the simultaneous variables. And I, yeah. I don't, with the years that I've played, Dan, I'm sure you've, you've make more mistakes in your last game than you do in your first game of the day. Just... Yeah, make them black and white. Is this a is this a high threat? Is it a low threat? Do I need to solve it right now, or can I solve it later this turn? Yeah, and just that's a great on. that's a great set of compass points to to navigate the decisions with. Um, and you know, I- I- accept that it'll, 
you will learn as you as you're progressing in other games um, and as with all of these things that we keep talking about on this channel the best thing to do is play more games um, and and that will absolutely be what helps um, drive things forward so look I hope you all enjoyed it we should have most of the crew on for the next couple of ones uh, once we tee those dates up with them uh, for when they're available um, we just had some life stuff happen so we're, on, we're not going away we're not stopping um, we're all just busy <laughs> so stick with us um, other than that, anyway, everyone, that's been uh, the latest episode of the HMG podcast. Uh, you're listening with Dan, and I've got with me here... Fortune. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be on our socials. Uh, we've got our email address and everything is still kicking, so please send us through the comments. We love seeing them and coming them through. Um, we are working on all of our different links from the podcast episodes as well to make sure they're going up in the right places and che checking all the servers. So we are working with those. Um, bear with us on that. Otherwise, everyone, this has been a blast. Thanks very much, Scorching, for joining me, mate. Thanks, Dan. All right. We'll see you later, everyone. See you, everyone.